And welcome on into the Check Your Brain podcast with me, your host, Tony Mazur. Wherever you are listening to this, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, until they boot me, and uh, Patreon, if they boot me for <laughs> everything else going on, you never know in this climate that we have. Uh, again, yes, Tony Tony Mazur with the Check Your Brain podcast. Also going on YouTube, Rumble, and Locals. Kind of, we're just in this podcasting world, you just have to just put yourself out there anywhere if you can find anything. It's it's not like back in the day of being a radio host where you're like, I'm on one station and one station only. And if you missed me at this time, well, sucks to be you. Now we got to kind of spread ourselves all over the place. And I'm with a fellow podcast host, the host of the Rico podcast. And uh, first of all, it's good to have you on. Thanks for doing this. Introduce, talk about the podcast, everything. So we we get the plug out of the way first, then we get to the meat and potatoes, and then we plug again at the end. That's, uh, that's the way yeah, I look man. at it. No, I appreciate it. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's it's always weird when people want to talk to me because um, I don't feel I'm that interesting. <laughs> so I, I always appreciate when people want to sit down and talk, and I love talking. So, you know, it kills two birds with one stone. But my name is Ricardo Abdel Avila Avila's. I'm the host of the Rico podcast, among many other things. And uh, yeah, man, if you uh, got some homie stories that you want to tell, just listen to listen to us and send those in. And pretty much what we are about is talking, talking about stories about your friends, man. We've had some pretty cool people like Mr. Tommy Chong, Mr. Hankin, uh, Jeffrey Mark, um, uh, and a lot of other pretty interesting people. We're up to 160 episodes now. So That's great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work, man. But that's, that's what I kind of do for a living, man. Yeah. Well, that, that's uh, you know, I've, I've talked to people who also do podcast fellow podcasters and it's, it's interesting trying to navigate the waters of trying to find your niche. Like what is it that sets my podcast apart from another person's podcast? And, you know, mm. you kind of go down the line, you go, well, I guess my podcast might be kind of like somebody else's, but it's a little bit different because I have a co-host or I do it solo and then I include video and do all this. So, so we're like, we're all in this weird area of, we don't know what the next thing is going to be. So we're just trying to enjoy ourselves in the current present day that we can, we can get a podcast going. Yeah, I look at it more as um, like as a comic and stuff like that is it's more about like creating content in a way that I enjoy it. Cause I like, uh, I'm a conversationalist type of person. Um, and it's just always been, it's just always been who I am. And to me, it's one of the best ways, kind of like radio back in the day, except you're not regulated by FCC yet. Yes. For now. Although, uh, for although now. Some, sometimes no. it, it, it's weird when you think about how far radio has come and how far everything else in the pendulum has swung, where in the days of the shock jock stuff of like the glory days of Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony and some of the big shows mm -hmm. that there were things that were said on terrestrial radio, whether locally or syndicated, and you would hear them in the present day and go, they got away with that. They got away with that too. They said that on the air and now we're like, yeah. forget about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I'm still, my whole thing is what I, the, the rule of thumb that I try to follow with, with my podcast is I try not to go after people with shit. Right. So like a lot of those shows, their main thing is to, the, the one thing I love about those old shows and about like the, the tonight show and like all these shows is one thing they do really beautifully that I enjoy is they're genuinely interested in hearing about a person's day. And even if it is fake, man, then they're faking it pretty fucking well, better than my ex did. 
Uh, so to me, it's like that's one thing that I enjoyed about it. But at the same time, I also want to like have something where people can promote things because like I feel where I do best is when I'm promoting other people or listening to their stuff. Because mm-hmm. man, you you talk to people like on one on one, dude, and people are pretty cool, man. It's it's whenever there's like too many of us, and I noticed that in the military myself. Like, it's like, dude, you get ten of us, and it gets weird. <laughs> oh yeah, you know? yeah. When you're in a group, like, d- d- yeah. don't they say that where you said if uh, you gave ten people one dollar each and put them in a room for an hour, and then one person's gonna leave with all ten ten dollars? <laughs> it's one of those that's weird funny. things when you get into that group setting. Yeah, and that's why I kind of like I'm. I'm a really big introverted person, unfortunately. Like, I don't, it's really difficult for me to want to go out because I have kind of everything I need in my house and everything I want. So it's like, it's always weird to me when, when I see all these podcast guys that go out to um, Comic Cons and stuff like that. But apparently that works, man. Like, we, we, we have a, we have a new sponsor on our show. It's a dispensary called Blue Medicinals that they, they're, great with veterans man it's like 35 percent off for veterans and i gotta tell you man like trying to promote a show in person is a little bit more different than on the air dude oh yeah like it's it's a whole nother experience man oh yeah yeah it, well I, and i saw that working working in radio when you'd have someone who calls in and says you know what i disagree you know you're a moron and then you just start going back and forth and i think a lot of people go don't think about it and they say dude you just lost a listener you lost a listener. He'll never listen to this radio station again because you fought. And they're like, yeah, whatever. He's a jackass anyways. But not mm. in the podcast game, especially if you're going out to promote your podcast or promote your show, and your, which is your brand. I hate saying that, but it's true. No, you're um, right. You're, you're 100% right. I tell you're losing a customer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing is like, but the other thing is, is like you have to know where the line in the sand is. And that's why I tell a lot of people, like you got to know where the line in the sand is because there's certain times like, Having a, a a wheat dispensary as a sponsor, that's a that's a land that's a line in the sand that a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, not listening to that because that's not you know uh, what I'm into. Uh, but a lot of times, yeah, man, I don't I don't argue with people. I've had weird things been sent to the podcast page, and I just don't. I think someone one time said, "Y'all ain't funny. You should go back to your hobo hillbilly town." And, and go be a farmer. And I was like, well, I'm from Puerto Rico. <laughs> so I mean, I think you meant Hibaro. And like, I just like looked at that and I was like, I'm not answering this. Like, because yeah. I'll just get a back and forth and roast you. And then, you know, man, I don't want to be a name in anybody's list. So I try to be nice to people. Well, let's get into that uh, because I think your story is fascinating. I was reading up on you and talking about the uh the, the translation business and the trafficking and yeah. your story. And I know you've probably talked about it in your podcast so many times. You're probably, t- I don't know if you're tired of talking about it, but since you're on, you're doing my podcast, I'd love, <laughs> love it's one of those, like, I, I hate to do it to you. If I may impose, but uh, talk nah, about man. that because it's a, it's a fascinating story and your, yeah, your no. background is fascinating. I appreciate it. My background is uh, pretty, it was pretty cheap. It was just $10. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you see the curtains. They need to be iron fabrics, bit, right? Uh, no, these are sound dampening curtains. They are expensive. <laughs> and then there's a drop behind that. That's also soundproof. Like we're basically enclosed in here. Um, you got no, a, you man, got a nice I appreciate little compound, that. a little bunker. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is where, uh, we do, we record all the gang bangs. Um, 
and we do all the things that we do. But no, nah, man, I appreciate I appreciate saying that most people find do not find my line of work interesting at all. <laughs> so I always appreciate when someone uh, <laughs> wants to talk about my line of work. And secondly, uh, I don't talk much about it on the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, like, I really don't. There's been episodes we've touched upon it because people people Google me and like if you Google language ninja Spanish. Moi is the one who pops up. Um, so, yeah, man, what, what would you like to know about? What would you well, I, I, like just, to know? Just about the background, like you, you're from Puerto Rico, but you like outside of the whole podcasting and doing comedy and everything like that, you have a this is your job and you speak <laughs> to a lot of people and you're helping solve crimes. You're helping, you're helping a lot of this stuff. And it's really fascinating because mm -hmm. you're, you're somebody that you're, you are a definite asset. So it's not like you're just some <laughs> asshole podcaster, just hanging out going like, yeah, I think I'll just start a podcast and just talking to a microphone for a little bit. You actually yeah. have some kind of background and some life experience that you can put behind this and, yeah. and, and put this out there. So talk a little bit about your background and just what you do and what you've done and, yeah, uh, you know, any of that fun stuff that fun. And I use that, quotes <laughs> that, is, uh, so that you've dealt with. What I, what I'm known for is for, uh, interpreting for child trafficking victims. Uh, I did that for a little over three years, very, very, very regularly, almost on a daily basis for, uh, the state of Missouri for other states outside of Missouri, um, for private entities, uh, 5013s, if you will. So like charities such as uh, Freedom's Rest, uh, the Harder House, uh, Casa Violencia, which is like a, a domestic violence shelter and stuff like that. And then I work with certain CPS organizations and with law enforcement uh, pretty much as an interpreter, uh, translating and interpreting for for trafficking victims um fortunately for for my um for my luck i would say uh i ended up getting labeled and i was the guy that when interpreters couldn't mentally handle something i would get called and then i would go and interpret and do my thing uh and i had a lot of cases i had a lot of child trafficking cases i had a i actually have a story about a child of war which is part of uh trafficking uh, if you will, and I'll actually send you here because you've been so kind. Let me send you my the course that I actually put together so you can have that and you can share it with your, yeah, your friends and stuff like that. So what I what I came to be known as was pretty much like the, you know, the language ninja, the guy who pretty much you go and talk to if you need someone to uh, if you need to interpret for something that's pretty high stress. You also need to have. Um, a very cool head when you're you're interpreting for these kids because a lot's happening um obviously as a good interpreter you should never get involved and say anything so it was really difficult looking back now like when the kids would try to talk to me i'd have to break character and be like please don't address the interpreter you can't address the interpreter you have to talk to them like i'm not here and that's where the language ninja uh came because interpreters are like ninjas if you look up any political figure throughout history you'll see that the picture is always centered, right? When they're sitting on chairs. If you zoom out that picture, you'll see the interpreters. Mm, okay. So we're like the flies on the walls. We know everything. And, and for interpreters, luckily, a good interpreter has a vow of neutrality where there's certain things that you just don't talk about uh, until the NDA expires. And then after that, you can talk about it on a podcast and tell cool stories. 
What's uh, what's a normal NDA for that? Like, how what's the time frame? Or is there a what is some, it case? By most case? of them, most the most of the ones that I signed were until the case was done. Okay. So I, which I didn't was know like that, over like limitations. Yeah. Uh, there's but there's like things that I've done um, with other three letter agencies that that the statute of limitations of those haven't passed. And uh, I don't even joke about that stuff. Um, like there was one time and I can talk about this one now. Uh, there was one time that I got called uh, from a three letter agency and they wanted me to interpret for this man that was in a hospital bed. And I'm like, I'm not a medical interpreter. And they're like, we don't need you for medical. And the dude started talking. It turns out he was a sicario, a, a killer. Uh, and he, from what I interpreted, obviously, which I recall this, uh, he had ran because they tried to kill him because he knew too much and they thought he was an informant. So then he came to the U.S. with like papers and stuff like that. And he had a lot of names and stuff like that. And then after that, they used someone else. So I don't know where that case went, which happens a lot of the times, unfortunately, for, for most interpreters. So that's, you know, that's like the wildness of like my life during that time. And then obviously I was in the military and I went to war and all that other crap. But yeah, man, hopefully that that answers that. What is, so in, in the topic of trafficking? Uh, yeah, I guess we'll get serious right now is that yeah. uh, you, you drive in a major city. I'm not far from Cleveland and you go by these major cities. There's billboards that said, stop human trafficking, stop child trafficking. And mm -hmm. you kind of look up and go, yeah, we should probably do that. And then you just keep driving. Yep. How bad is it really? I mean, it's pretty it, fucking bad. But is it like, cause it, well, and, and I want to get your thoughts on the Eliza yeah, Blue yeah. situation. Cause that's been kind of, kind of interesting about what's the what? I'm sorry. The well, Eliza well. Blue. She's the one who was the uh, that said she was trafficked. But when they start to realize it's like, oh, it's more so that her image was used in certain things. So, um, uh, I, you know, we don't have to get into that talking about that. But it was um, it's fascinating when you think about what we don't know about it. It's just, oh, hey, there's human trafficking that goes on. But we don't really know the extent of it, where it's coming from, where the major centers are, uh, why it continues to happen, even though we're in a we're in a digital age when a lot of people should probably be a little bit more on the pulse. Like, I guess how truly, how bad is it? Where is this really coming from? Is there like a hub for it? I, I, and pardon my ignorance on it. I just, I don't know. I, I must live no, a no, no. privileged this is, sheltered this is, life here. No, no, no. This is perfect. This is like 99% of the people that I talk to. At least you're not the one telling me that uh, this only happens in uh, uh, movies, uh, which I've had people tell me that before. Uh, yeah, if you look at, uh, yeah, yeah, no, which by the way, uh, Liam Neeson, great actor, <laughs> Fuck, great actor, God, Liam Neeson, like shit, you know? Um, so if you pull up what I sent you, right. Um, da, da, da. so like the first thing is like most people, if, if I asked you to define human trafficking, could you? Like, um, do you think I, th I think a very is? a very like first grade level of that we feel that it's human trafficking or people kind of like smuggled into a through across a border in a trunk or inside a truck or whatever and they're let loose or they're under some kind of enslavement of being you know used for sexual matters or for whatever the case I think that's so, and that's, so that's how close. I would think I think a lot of people would believe so so you're close right so when we talk about human trafficking human trafficking is basically defined as when you're recruiting you're keeping or the correct wording would be harboring 
uh, you're transporting or trafficking people by forcing them, coercing them, lying to them, deceiving them, uh, being fraudulent with things, abusing your power and your position, uh, or just to collect as a form of payment, right? Mm. So trafficking can be divided into many things. And uh, I don't have I don't have the slides in front of me. So uh, that's why I keep looking up and down trying to like memorize. So, oh, there we go. So if you scroll down to the third slide, right there, right there, right there. So as you can see, trafficking, trafficking. Yes, I had it right. Okay. And that's the most important part right here that people don't understand is everybody says, oh, you know, what's the difference between kidnapping and trafficking? Well, here's the thing. We'll get into that. But the main thing is that human trafficking can be divided into many things, right? It can be human trafficking, which is the transportation harboring of people, right? Under forced coercion, debt, uh, abuse of power, abuse of position, and or for payment or collection or for commercial sexual act, right? That's human trafficking. Human trafficking can be divided into sex trafficking, organ trafficking, child trafficking, uh, and a couple other things, which I know is, is horrible, but it does happen. Me personally, I don't talk about cases that I've never done. So I've never had a organ trafficking case uh, myself, but I know that there's websites like the Silk Net or Silk Web or something like that that happened years ago that the FBI took down. That was like a huge thing where you could go on and you could find organs and stuff like that, right? Is, is that where something like, for example, if you drugged a woman at a bar and then she wakes up in a bathtub with a bunch of ice in it and they took her kidney or her pancreas out? <laughs> well, that's... That's a lot. I've never personally had a case or I've never personally had any experience with that, but that wouldn't surprise me. But you also have to understand that. And, and this is this is the really hard part to swallow where I will lose a lot of people. And I want to make this very clear. These people that traffic and stuff, they're not fucking human like they really aren't. And the way that they view human beings is as cattle. Right. Hmm. So let's say and again, this is where I lose people. So bear with me. The younger someone is, especially if they're a female, I can have another human being. And then after that, I can use them for prostitution. I can use them to transport drugs. I can use them or train them to recruit other people so that way they can gain their freedom. So it's just a perpetual cycle that people don't break, right? So then what ends up happening is that people get into this, this mess of like, well, you know, what about pimping? What about this? And I'm like, listen, the main thing that you have to understand is if you scroll down, um, we can pull that one up is, is that when we're talking about human trafficking is like, there, there's some elements, there's a process of means and an end game. Right. So, and, and I like this little chart, by the way, uh, shout out to the freedom that we're training Institute for, for that chart. Cause it's, it's beautifully done. Um, the process is basically where I'm trying to find these people, move them or gain gain people uh, in order by using force, fraud, coercion, abuse of power uh, and or payment. Right. Uh, or, or for payment. And the end game of that is basically for either a commercial sex act, which I'll explain that in a minute, or labor services. That's what you can divide those two. Because it could be like the babysitter, like which there's stories about that, like people who had like the babysitter that was always around the house, you know, and turns out they were holding that person's uh, visa or their green card or their canine or whatever it was. And they were like, well, you got to clean the house. So that's indentured servitude, which is for labor. Yeah. A commercial sex act is basically when a person pays for pays for a an act, right? Pays for sex. Uh, 
by utilizing force, fraud, coercion, and or in order to gain monetary gains or pleasure, which that's the big thing that most people like don't get. So I always clarify that because this is literally what they use in, in the law. And this is why I explained this so well, because this is how, how this is what human trafficking is basically. Now there's processes to it, right? There's, there's a lot of steps to it. And like a lot of times, man, like, you know, there's countries that they, they sponsor human trafficking and they sponsor childs of war and they sponsor uh, unlawful child labors and stuff like that. Uh, so that's called state sponsored HT is what I call it. And I say HT because if I talk about this on TikTok or on YouTube or something, it gets it, flagged. Yeah. Yeah. It gets flagged. So like I, I learned that lesson on my show because uh, I had a woman that I had worked a ton of cases with and she was telling about these cases because I was like real shy in the beginning. And uh, we, you know, we ended up realizing all these things. But the thing is, man, is like it happens everywhere. And the reason why it happens I could tell you right now it's for financial gain uh, or because people just want to be fucking evil. Like, that's my personal opinion about it, right? That's Ricardo Abdel Aviles Aviles's opinion <clears throat> is because people are evil motherfuckers and they want to do shit until someone comes in and they, they realize that that's not the right thing that they should do. In other countries, it happens, unfortunately, because they have a shortage of labor. And since they don't have child labor laws, like, that's one of the things that they do. In other countries, what happens is, is that they're at constant war and they're losing people so much, they just start going into the villages and they take the kids. Uh, I had that experience in Iraq, actually. I had a, my very first ever encounter, and I realized this like a couple of weeks ago when I was teaching the classes. I was in Iraq and we had a kid that was, uh, we had a, a person, we didn't know it was a kid at the time, that was assassinating our Iraqi police at checkpoints. And every day we would come in and we'd see them, you know, um, unalived. And for like two weeks, we started analyzing the pattern and then we started setting up at checkpoints. And one day I was with a, a sergeant of mine. And when we approached someone that was on the steering wheel, you can normally tell, man, like you see how people get tense and you, you can kind of get the, the vibe. Read like the body language. Right. Yeah. yeah. And immediately, like I saw him, like he looked at me and he pulled his hand down and I just pulled up on my 249 and started walking towards him. And I was like, dude, I at first thought it was a V-bit. I was like, he's reaching. And then I, when I took two steps forward, I was like, oh, this was a bad idea. It could be a V-bit, which is a vehicle-borne IED, which leaves a hole as big as a probably 2,200-square-foot house, I would say. Uh, if not, maybe a little smaller, maybe a little bigger. Uh, I'm not a bomb guy. I've just seen the pictures. Um, and then when I approached him, we realized he was reaching for a gun. And then my NCO caught him. We, we had him teed up, and we caught him. He was a 16 year old kid, man, that was just told, hey, you go in and you do this. And that was like my first real. Like, like my first ever like, oh, shit, this is real. Like, this is not a fuck around joke. Like that they're using they're using kids or they're using. Yeah. People. They're yeah. Pawns. They're yeah, essentially yeah. pawns. They're expendable. Well, they're just brainwashed is the yeah. thing. That's one thing we could say, because they're going to look at it as. And that's the thing. Another thing is like the difference between terrorist terrorists and a gang is one is for financial gain and the other one is to promote a political or religious agenda. Right. Yeah. So like that's what's so dangerous about this is that you grab kids from a young age and you teach them how to fight. And you teach them how to kill. Bro, that's. That's a that, that's a dangerous combination. There's a lot that, you know, there's a lot of things in the brain that haven't developed. So 
that's one of the things that like I came to realize was when I started putting the course together was that people really don't know about this. And, you know, man, unfortunately, some people take it as it's just a scare tactic. But like, you know, man, technology has has made it so much easier for for people to like recruit and like target and like study because, dude, everybody wants to post fucking pictures of their kid. Everybody wants to say, oh, I'm here doing this. Like when I do that, it probably happened a week ago, 48 hours ago, three days ago, you know, like, cool, you want to do that. But like, don't. And still, like, I'm very skeptical. That's why I try to like post memes and post positive things about the podcast and stuff and like articles that I like, because I'm sorry, I have like a. I have like a damn skin rash right here. It's bothering me. Um, and like, well, the thing yeah, is, well, I know, I know what you're talking about that where like you're, you're telling people on Facebook that, Hey, I'm out of town. Here's a, here's the skyline in the background of the hotel I'm staying at. And then somebody can look at that and say, well, okay, they're not home. So yeah, man, you know, let's like, have fun. I like to and post, then if we wanted to look at them and say, uh, let's see, that looks like it's probably about eight floors up on that side. So it's pretty easy to try to figure out where that is. So, but we live in this tiktok generation where we have to document every single thing we're doing at the exact moment that we're doing it see and that's why like what i love about what i like about tiktok um besides that they're pretty honest about stealing your data uh is that you can you know man because there's good and bad you know and this is the thing that i tell people when they talk to me about technology and their kids and i go listen man like you just really got to explain to the kids like how how bad something can go because i think if you explain to a child how something can go they have two reactions that'll never happen to me which then that means there's a level of ignorance that they don't they don't understand something or they're terrified and they go okay i need to be aware and then you have a third option where they're terrified and they don't want to do it and you don't you don't want to you don't want to paralyze someone with fear because you know that's exactly that that that's not a way to live you know no we did that the last 3 years of covid <laughs> pretty much uh, where, where do you live at uh, i'm in ohio oh should move down to missouri I, I don't know what restrictions you're talking about let's put it that way no oh, yeah I, <laughs> outside of st louis i'm sure you guys were uh, i'm in springfield what, what was this thing yeah, st louis st louis shut down completely mm -hmm. st louis it was it was pretty wild it was pretty wild man but you should teach this class you should go to joplin then just go to go to Joplin, just uh, rent out the Yakov Smirnoff Theater and teach a class there. Dude, I don't think that many people would come to see this class, to be honest with you. Like I've I've what I'm teaching you right now is basically the whole class from from my head because I memorize my classes. I have seven classes in my catalog and I, I memorize all of them and all of them are three hours long. Mm -hmm. That's why, like, I don't I write everything down because it's like I try to memorize like the things that that I I. I feel like, hey, this is super important, you know, so like here, you know, we're talking about like the key concepts and stuff like that, like forced labor and forced sex, which, again, just because someone is uh, a sex worker, right, which that's a terminology that you'll hear, too. That doesn't necessarily mean that, number one, they're a prostitute and number two, that they're being trafficked. People are very confused. And I've seen this in law enforcement where they'll get a call saying someone's being trafficked and the girls are like, nah, man, I he just gave me 60 bucks and I'm gonna suck his dick. And like the cops are like confused because they don't they don't have the education to deal with it. And two states that I know do fucking really well with this, uh, which I'd love to like do work with them. Uh, three states actually is New York, Georgia and Florida. 
Like those three states, man, the, their task force on HT is on fucking point. Those dudes do not fuck around. Like they do not fuck around at all. I've heard stories from interpreters that have have translated and they're like, dude, those guys look like quarter like NFL quarterback linebackers. Like when you see those guys walk in, you're like, oh dear lord. So that's that's the type of stuff that that you see, you know. So if you keep scrolling down a little bit, you'll you'll go to a part that uh that says uh types of trafficking, right? Which is what what we were talking about. I think it's type of is it types of trafficking? Technology, which we talked about, right? That's just and that's a little statistic there. I don't know how 100% is. I'm about 90% sure because I can't recall where I pulled it from. But I have, I have my notes in my in. I left my notes in my house, so I apologize for that. Uh, and obviously the most exposed people, which some people are pretty surprised, man. Hotel people, waitresses, uh, teachers, truck drivers, male people, beauty salons, barbershops, massage parlors, and malls, like mall people. Those are the people that are gonna see them the most they just don't know what they're looking for man and like yeah. the number one thing that i always tell people is man just a simple high like a simple high sometimes because you gotta understand these people want to be incognito right so that's why they'll go to restaurants and stuff like that and if you see somebody that's like holding on to a kid a little too much the kid's not really reacting to them and again man this is situational right this is why i always tell people man take a fucking course on like how to read body language and stuff because the kid might be pissed off at his dad you know uh, the kid might have just lost a game and he's just not answering. And the kid's like, you know, man, if, if, if you've ever been around kids for 10 minutes or if you have kids, you understand what I'm talking about. Kids can be a little difficult, but it, trust me, I've, I've been there. I've been in these cases where it, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck shit. Like it's, it's a duck, you know? So that's just one of the main things that I think everybody should really know, because if you're in those fields right there, man, you are a frontline person to know. Hey, this person comes here often. They have like a weird tattoo of the number of a number, you know, or, Hey, this person comes here. And when, when they come in, this person drops them in and that person stays next to them the whole time. Uh, or, Hey, the same person drops them in, you know, that's why, that's why customer service is really important, man. Like, this is what I tell people all the time. Like customer service, super important because it'll let you know, like what's going on in someone's life. If you look hard enough, you know, um, so like that's like the main thing that I tell people, man, if you work in those places, like it's it's crazy the amount of things that you have. And then, you know, you have websites that have um, full open displays of sex trafficking and people just don't know it. Right. So if you scroll down, go to a part that says um, there's a part that talks about uh, translating or H human trafficking language and whatnot. Go to that right there. Um, it should be further down because we've talked about all these things. Mm -hmm. CPS, that's just basically, you know, no that's harvesting. harvesting. Yeah. Unlawful recruitment, which is basically what we talk about. Child soldiers. We, we gave an example of that. Okay. Right here. And this is the part that everybody loves about this course. And for the people, for the, your audience who has kids, they're going to love this. Um, for the interpreters who took this class, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> give you a discount next time. So, Emojis are used a lot nowadays because you have to have a probable cause on something in order to do something. And if you do a T3, which is a wiretap, basically, and yes, those things are real. The government does can get a subpoena to listen to your phone. It's hard as shit, 
but they can get a subpoena to listen to your phone conversations and text messages. There are certain things that cannot be utilized, such as conversations between uh, attorney, attorney client privileges, unless there are certain circumstances there. And in some cases, conversations with children and conversations between spouses. Right. So one of the things that I tell people is if you look at here is like all the emojis are like things that you really. Yeah, like a pill. It could be a Xanax. And actually, that Xanax isn't correct. It's red on top, but yellow at the bottom would be Xanax. And if it's sideways like this, not like this, it's normally Adderall okay. uh, or normally they'll just say they'll just say, hey, hey, you have some A's. You got some A's. Or you got some ads like you'll you'll hear that a lot. Um. And again, this is really important. I want you to look at these because if you keep scrolling down, uh, scroll down a little more. Da, da, da. Okay, so that right there is a real ad that was posted on, I'm not going to say the state, that we, we got a picture of. And what this person's telling right here is the pumpkin, I'm not aware of that. I'm still trying to find it. The Christmas tree means they have really good weed. Uh, this right here means they have dabs. This right here means that they they do couples like they'll engage in sex with couples. And this right here obviously means they'll take multiple penises like it's telling you how many penises they'll take. Oh, OK. Wow. So and then normally you'll see it says tie and then the age. Right. And you'll look at this and you'll be like, bro, that's wild. Keep scrolling down. Mm. So, uh, we got that already. It's the same thing, which I put it because I like how it looks right right here. Right. So like right here, you see a flag. You'll see the chocolate, which is representing the color of their skin. The snow and you see a person with with a phrase. So the snow means cocaine, like if you have cocaine or maybe they have cocaine. And then the the face means that they'll they'll do blow with you. OK, so like this is a whole uh, language that, that a lot of guys uh, covered. And like over the years working cases, I was privileged enough to sit with attorneys that taught me all these things that they were in the task force and talk with law enforcement people that were like able to like explain this to me. Uh, what I really love to do is get someone who's who's worked and like get them in an interview. Uh, yeah. I just don't know the legality of it is the problem. Yeah, because that's that's the thing. I've seen the roses one where it's like, you know, for 60 roses, you go rose. Oh, yep. what does rose mean? And it means. It, yeah. Normally a rose means one hundred dollars. That's why if you see multiple, it's per hundred. Yeah, that's so, what, that's what at least that's what I've been explained. Right. And man, <laughs> By God, bro, every time I sat down with interpreters and they bring me things like it's exactly what it is, man. And even with law enforcement people. So the horn emoji basically means that they're very promiscuous. OK, and you see, again, it says alcohols. You'll see something like that. And to my understanding, alcohol is they'll they'll visit uh, they'll visit you or it's outside of whatever their residence would be in would be in in whatever the residence or place they're staying at, which you'll you'll see that a lot throughout this. So if you keep scrolling down and hopefully your audience, you know, appreciates this. So no, yeah, I, I think see... this is I think this is very interesting and it's Thank it's you. very educational. I think people need to know about this, especially with kids, because, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I always think about this, about my parents generation. My parents are boomers. Mm -hmm. And when basically 1980 hit, they stopped caring about pop culture and music and movies. It's like ever so often, oh, that might be, that's, hey, I like that Stevie Ray Vaughan or whatever, but they didn't follow new music. They didn't follow trends. But in the technology age, in this digital age, as a parent, as a grandparent, as somebody yeah. who's a, yeah. a, a, an aunt and uncle, they have to be up with it. They have to know what the next uh, TikTok is. They have to know what the next Instagram, they have to be on top of all this stuff. Otherwise, 
you know, kids are usually like two steps ahead of their parents anyways. So the parents always have to continue playing catch up with this and yep. understand this language. Yep. So and that's all like all these right here. The the crowns normally represent like there's a pimp or maybe there's not a pimp. That just depends regionally. Normally, like a bikini or something means that they'll wear that for like pictures and stuff and whatnot. The rainbow, I don't know, but I am assuming. And again, this is just what I'm assuming is that they're LGBT, LGBTQ pro. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. That's just what I'm uh, guessing right there. Um, obviously, I don't have to say what the water means. I think we all not. The heart with colors normally represents uh, an STD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah. You know, it's weird because you, you see the, the water emoji or an eggplant. And I think people have kind of figured it out, like what yeah. those are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, they're not as discreet. Like some of these, no. they're, they're kind of discreet, like with the hearts, like the different color hearts. But well, I'll give you one where it's just pretty blatant. It seems scroll down because the next one I'm 99% sure. Yep. So. Da, 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 da. Nope, that's not the one. It's the one after this one right there. So the growing hearts like that means that that person is underage. Really? Yes. Or a the, heart and, that and, a heart that's growing, a heart that's growing. It means that the person is underage. OK, and then the crown is a pimp. The crown. Well, it's either a pimp or it can mean that they it's it's two different things. And I, I apologize. I don't have my notes because I did not think you would ask me about this. <laughs> Sorry about that. But but I can I can absolutely if anyone if anyone wants to know, you can absolutely call me. And this is a course that I'm opening up to the public pretty soon to to like start educating people, which took me about a year and a half to to build. And it's about a three hour course. And for the civilian people, we're probably going to offer like an hour and a half one because it's it's for interpreters there's a lot more and there's a lot of videos and stuff like that so you're uh, you're based out of springfield missouri you're yeah. right in the middle of the heartland i'm at the yeah. kind of the beginning of the heartland in ohio mm -hmm. uh i mentioned earlier about hubs like trafficking hubs whether it's yeah that's know, actually a good question trafficking um you know when you think of we've been hearing about the border when it comes to fentanyl and a lot of what's being brought in from the southern border of mexico we remember in the 1980s the miami vice days and don johnson of mm -hmm. uh, miami was big with cocaine and coming from Colombia. but when it comes to sex trafficking human trafficking where is where are some of the big cities states port cities um like uh, and or it doesn't even have to be from outside coming into the united states that this is happening in the United States. It could happen in Missouri. It could happen in Ohio. What are places that people? Oh no, it's really happening in Missouri. Look out for? What's that? <laughs> it's, it's it's happening in Missouri. It's happening. It's it's happening right now as we speak. And you, you and go, you, of course, being bilingual, is that that's where you're going through a lot of these processes. Uh, yeah. So where where are the places that are like really big that either the media yeah. is not talking about or that people just don't know enough about? Yeah. So uh, if you could do me a solid and scroll down almost to the end, because this is the part that I really want to show people is that, 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 that right there. Go up. No, 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 no. Don't fucking contact me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that right there. Uh, that's one of the things that I want to talk about. So when it comes to this, I can't give you a good statistical or factual answer because I've been out of the game for a few years, right? And if you notice, I said the word game, which the game is basically also a word that you'll use that they'll, that they'll utilize is to talk about the lifestyle. They call it the game. Uh, when I say the game, I mean like the interpreting for these victims and whatnot and these survivors. Um, what I can tell you is that let, let's play this game, right? Let's play this game. Go ahead and 
Can you go to Google, pull up Google Maps? Okay. We're going to play a little game here, right? And this is this is how how I teach my class. It's the very same way. So it's it's funny that you caught me off guard, but I'm actually pretty well prepared. So you'll pull up Google and then type in um, Springfield, Missouri. All right. Yeah, there's like 50 something Springfields. Okay, perfect. Now, zoom out a little bit. Da, right there. All right, per right there. Perfect, perfect, right there. Da, zoom in a little bit, just a little bit. Right there, stop right there. Okay. So what do you see when you look at this, right? I see almost dead set in the middle of the country. Okay. I see a... Um, That's so good. You got, That's you actually got major, really good. You got a major highway in I-44 that cuts across the entire state of missouri ah let me stop you right there one major highway count how many highways you can connect to if you are in that town one two three four five six seven. holy jesus eight wow eight, right now now I'll, I'll propose this to you right look at the border you see the border from oklahoma to, to missouri yep i've, I've you know traveled far, on this before you know how far one. away that is from springfield to to oklahoma is it about about an hour maybe and maybe two hours man Okay. Now he's even scarier. Scroll down. Go south. Oh, there's Arkansas in two hours. Yep. So what you're looking at is avenues of avenues of entry and avenues of exit, right? If I'm in trouble, and this is like a little survivalist crap too, which you get taught in the military, or at least I did, is you want to have multiple points of entry, multiple points of egress, multiple points of exit, multiple points of escape, right? You got it right there, bro. This is a town that is predominantly ran by the military, um, major businesses, because it's a top 10, top 10 place to start a business. Um, has a lot of a lot of uh, hair salon shops, uh, massage part. You know what? Indulge me. Type in hair salons uh, right before Springfield, Missouri. Like just add just add the word hair salons in, in Springfield, Missouri, and you'll see. Yeah. Hair salons. There you go. Watch this. That's a bunch. Right? Oh, All and then I also see people. hotels, too. So oh, see? But what else do you see? Um, the most I important have, thing. We have, uh, we have an airport. There you go right there. Points of entry, points of exit. Yeah. So, so that's what you, you, you look at is, okay, in this town, and this is what if I was a, I don't want to say like this, but if I was in a position of power, the number one thing I would look at is, OK, if something were to happen where we have someone that gets kidnapped. Right. And we know within within two minutes, two to five minutes. Right. Because guess what? After an hour, what did we see earlier? Within an hour, you can be out of the state. Yeah. Now. Now it's a federal issue because of jurisdiction. See what I'm saying? Like, this is how big the problem gets. And this is why the problem is so complex. Because number one, a lot of agencies don't communicate with each other because obviously there's budgets that we have to fight for and everybody wants to have a bigger dick and everybody wants to have the name of it where it's like, just just stop. Because I've seen this. I've seen this. And, and the you, thing and you is, have to deal with different precincts, too, where you have federal as opposed to more local, like the local sheriff or anything. And then there's kind of like a jurisdiction situation. Well, I've never had that issue when I had cases, uh, thankfully. So I, I wouldn't be able to answer that from experience. 
me guessing, I would say that obviously people are going to compare dicks because it's like, who's going to have, who's going to get the case, you know, because you got to understand one thing too, man. Like in order for this to happen, there has to be a budget. So who's going to control that budget? Who's, who's going to get it? Is it going to be the city? Is it going to be the county? Is it going to be the state? You know? So these are multiple things that happen. But when you look at it this way, man, look at all those salons right there. There's probably more than 10 salons, right? Mm-hmm. If all of those people knew what they were looking for, I'm willing to bet you a dollar that someone would find something in 24 hours. How much would you be willing to bet? In your own town, I'm be willing to bet that if you pulled up your own town and you typed in the same thing, I guarantee you if all those people listen to this and there's anything that they get is just look at the people. Just look at them, bro. Look at them. I guarantee you, you look at somebody, it's going to look weird. And then what I always tell people is, listen, don't confront people. Because guess what? You're not you're not willing. You're not willing to die if you're wrong or if you're right. If you're right. Right. If you're right or wrong, I don't think you'd be willing to die. You know what I'm saying? And that's Mm -hmm. what I tell people, because, dude, like that's an asset. That person that they're trafficking is an asset. So you think of it as a business. Unfortunately, that's an asset. Don't fuck with my asset because that's how they are. That's why it's so dangerous and a lot of people don't talk about it because it takes a lot of money to move someone from one place to another, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, like a and, lot of money. And what's interesting, uh, so a few years ago, probably going back to 2015, is that uh, um, probably the only thing I ever got nominated for when I worked in radio was an Associated Press Award for our coverage of the opioid crisis. This is before, I think this is when we started hearing about what carfentanil and fentanyl were. Um, and the yeah, one thing was, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. the one thing about Ohio is that Ohio, even though it's, you know, it's, it's a medium sized state, it's not the biggest state, but we do have major freeways that go through that we have. We have one of the great lakes. We have the Ohio river at the bottom, which is the second or third biggest river in the United States. You have major interstates from interstate 90, which takes you from Boston to Seattle. 77 takes you from downtown Cleveland, Ohio all the way down to South Carolina, uh, 71, you have, uh, we have I-80 takes you from Parsippany, New Jersey to San Francisco. So we have major ways. 71, 75, 74, 70, 71, 80, 90. Holy shit. The and that's where Columbus are, are the most, I mean, no, anywhere here, man. Dayton is there's huge so too. many. Yeah. Because, Cause there's so Bowling Green. Look at that. That looks empty, bro. Somebody definitely could set up up there. And again, I'm not saying this to like, I want to make this very clear. I'm not here to try to terrify people to to like. Not trust any. Like you don't want to discriminate. You don't want to be like openly well, prejudiced against somebody here's and just the thing, start man. thinking everybody is like being way too paranoid. Yeah, man. And here's the thing is I'm the type of person that I see the bad in everything. Like I'm pretty honest with myself. I see the bad in everything. Because... Oh, you went to war. You're you're a veteran. So you've <laughs> you've seen it on that side. Like you've truly seen the bad. <laughs> sure. That's that's one of the things. But the other thing is, is that. When you do these cases at the level that I did, where you're basically those people's voices. And then you can't say shit, because then if you do say something, you're compromised and then you can't be the interpreter. And then if I can't be the interpreter, man, I can't make money. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you really see a side of things that you really never expect. And when people are alone with their attorneys, they become very fucking honest. Like very fucking honest. And you can't say anything because you took a vow of neutrality. 
So what I always tell people is don't get involved in this if you're going to be overly emotional and not be able to have a, a, a not be able to have some sense of clarity of like there's a process, there's a judicial system. The moment that you say and this is when I stopped working cases was uh, I had a moment where I had a I had a woman that we from my from what I was told was she was being kept in a basement and she had um, she had marks on her wrists from like something pulling and she was five months pregnant and she didn't know it. Wow. <laughs> and she ended up well, from my knowledge, what ended up happening after that was that it came out to be that she was here illegally, uh, something about her visa that their family was trying to keep her here. Uh, and then when the family got interviewed, I left and I didn't interpret because my first thought was I'm going to go and just choke these people. And there's nothing nobody in here can do to stop me because I'm going to fucking choke you. I'm going to put my hands on you and that's going to be it. I'm just not going to let go. You're going to have to tase me. So the moment that I started having those feelings, I was like, nope, I need to stop. I, I need you to stop. Take, you you I need have to, to take yourself out. Yeah, of you have to, man. And like people don't do that. Even law enforcement people. I have friends who work in law enforcement that they've they've quit law enforcement to to go do something else because they had one case that they were like, oh, this is the case. And they're honest enough with themselves to go, I need to move on to something else or the darkness is going to start fucking staring back. And that's a really fucking hard thing to do because I, I didn't. Dude, there was a lot of cases that I didn't get paid for because obviously people don't they don't expect an interpreter. They don't know how to use an interpreter. It's not an expense that most people can accrue. So it's like one of those things that it's like, well, it is what it is, you know, but you get to a point that like you. You've seen so much that you have a skewed view of the world. And the problem with that is where other people see something nice. I go, how can this go to shit? And and that's that's not the best place to be, especially if you have kids, you know, like that's why that's why I love being a dad, because it's really helped me. Help me see that all those things that I did and all those things that I saw really helped me realize, like, how bad something can go. But what to look for was like the best thing that that it helped me, man. But it took a while to, like, really, like, sit down and analyze and 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 like. Cause I, I have notes. I have notes of all my, my cases, all my cases. Cause as an interpreter, you will take notes because you always <laughs> laugh, <laughs> have a pen and paper. So yeah, man, that's why I try to tell people like, just be wary, man. Like just know your neighbors, dude. Like, dude, I know almost all my neighbors. They may not know my name, but I know their name and I know where they live. And you know, if I go outside, I see a car that doesn't, that doesn't fit in my neighborhood. Bro, I checked that. Oh, let me see. You know, just take a mental note of it. It's like, oh, that car doesn't go there. Oh, so-and-so got a new car. That's nice. Good for them. But that's the thing, man, is people want uh, a quick a quick formula, and it just doesn't work. And there's when it comes to it, that. You, you would seem like there's more of a balance, too, because you don't want to be overly paranoid where you see a truck. It's like, I don't recognize that truck. And you try to call the VIN number and the license plate and everything. And then people are afraid of being Karens. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're really oh, dude, I don't give a fuck. I'm nice to you. <laughs> hey, man, how's it going, dude? You OK? Oh, OK, no problem. I just make a mental note because I'm so like un un like when people see me, they're not scared of me. Like they're just not because they just see this little short, fat Puerto Rican Joe Rogan looking dude. And they're like, oh, he's so harmless. And it's like, yeah, I would not think of that. I'm, I'm wary of everybody because you don't know what that person's done. 
You don't know what state of mind that person's in. You don't know what that person's gone through throughout the day. And not everybody has good emotional control. So I'm always nice to somebody and try to I always try to have a positive interaction with people until they give me a reason to. And there's only probably four things that would make me not have a positive interaction with people. But always, man, I always try to have a positive interaction with people because people are more honest when you're nice to them because they think you're gullible, unfortunately. So they and think they can is, take advantage. They think they can take advantage of but you. you that's how play, I you know. You have to play 4D chess. See, you get it, my man. So that's the thing is like, that's why I'm like, I just, I just look and observe um, because it's, it's real shitty, man. And like the way that I view the world, unfortunately, is unless I'm around my wife or my kid, like I view the world as garbage. Like the world is just fucking trash, bro. Like that's just how I view it. And it's unfortunately from years and years of, of like seeing what's out there that it's like, oh, this is fucking garbage. Like this is how bad someone can go. That's why I always tell people, man, like when I talk to people who say they're mad, like, oh, I'm so angry. I could I'm like, dude, you're not angry. Like you're you're hurt. And and that's a big thing that that people don't understand is the difference between being pissed off, angry, irate and hurt. And like there's levels to it because dude, you see that in jujitsu, man. Like you see guys in jujitsu who've been training for years and you see their hands and you're like, oh, this dude really hates himself or he must really love jujitsu, you know? So, yeah, man, that's that's just the the wild thing about it, man. You just got to be careful. Well, that's uh, you were mentioned about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, you know, and you mentioned Joe Rogan because I think it, you know, to credit Joe, he's really helped put a lot of spotlight and did a lot for community when you're talking about the martial arts or anything from just mixed martial arts and all the way up to UFC. Mr. Rogan's done a lot more for Brazilian jiu-jitsu than people think. And I think for the for the sports world, I'm not a big UFC guy and I have friends like Mr. Roly Delgado, who he was in the UFC, Violent Bob Ross. He was in the UFC before everything happened. And I have a few other friends that we've trained with that they've been in the UFC. And like, I, the problem I have, number one, is that I don't understand the ranking system. Uh, so like, I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I look at the IBJJF and the ADCC, the Abu Dhabi Combat Championship, which is like the Olympics of jiu-jitsu. It's every two years. Have you ever seen an Abu Dhabi an Abu Dhabi, uh, an ADCC. Well, I, I'm not not the man. I've seen it training, but I haven't seen it. No, uh, no, 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 man. Like, like you gotta see one of our black belts won his weight division. And I think he won the Open called Yuri Samoas. If you if you pull up twenty shit twenty twenty two ADCC, and and you just pull up one that like flow grappling does so fucking well, um, and you just pull that up, bro, and you just see the stadium of people just going fucking wild over over matches and like the matches in jujitsu they can be pretty slow and boring which i understand a lot of people don't understand the whole butt scooting thing which in adcc it's a different set of rules that's what i tell people is like look at the rules that they're playing by and you'll understand what someone's doing because like when i used to compete at jujitsu i used to like have to prepare my game plan based on the tournament because some tournaments award points in a different way. So it shifts your strategy to, to, to meld to your game. Like I'm a guard puller. Recently I started playing stand-up because I've, I've started to kind of see that I can play with it. And it's, it's a weak area of me, but like 
you know, when you pull guard in ADCC, which pulling guard basically means where I sit down while holding and making a, making a connection to your body, and I sit down. Normally, you don't really want to do that in a street fight because you would get kneed in the face. Uh, and normally, if you do that, you want to have a guard, a form of guard, which what a guard does is it prevents you from advancing. It puts roadblocks in order for you not advance and punch me in the face. But, dude, jujitsu. Uh, pulling guard. Okay, that's a that's an example. So that's just, in the uh, just so people know what we're talking about when you mention. Yeah, that. yeah. So what you're seeing in here is you see how one foot is forward and he's he's imitating his foot, right? And you see how he lowers and he's extending his hand to to gauge the distance. But what he's also doing is he's also yeah he's also trying to set up. That's what I was gonna say. Trying to set up a judo throw because that's why he's he's emulating the foot so he can step in on the outside. So when they're pulling guard, you'll see that both their legs come square. They put one foot in front of your opponent, and then they square up. This is a way of pulling guard. The leg is obviously a barrier. I'm controlling in hands, and that's a guard, which a guard is not a position that you want to be in. If you roll with someone that has a very, very good closed guard, you would not be able to stand up. Um, we have a guy who is one of, it's one of the Gracies, and I can't remember. His name is uh, Jack, and I can't remember Jack's last name right now, but he's he he came to our school one day and he was teaching. He's like, if you have someone wrapped in full guard, can they stand up? I go, of course they can stand up. He goes, they should not be able to stand up. And this is coming from, from Hoyler. He's a Hoyler black belt. He's coming from Hoyler Gracie. So, dude, he came to the school and like he taught it. And I was like, oh, I know nothing. So, like, that's why I always tell people, like, yeah, just because you see somebody. Because think about it, dude. My legs are wrapped around your waist. Yeah. So now I have the power of my legs. And the power of my hands to control your upper body. Like, that's that's why I tell people, like, you see in the UFC when guys pull guard. And again, that's also another thing, man. Like, you have to, like, strategize. If you look at guys like Mr. Ryan Hall uh, from 50-50 Jiu-Jitsu, Ryan Hall, everybody said that he was a, a leg lock specialist. Ryan Hall has countless wins by triangle. Countless wins by triangle, by the way. And in the UFC, heel hooks. Obviously, because if I heel hook you and I break your kneecap, you can't fight anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. that's just the thing. So, again, that's where the strategy comes in play. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just – and, again, you have rear naked chokes. Like, you've seen, um, you know, McGregor get in and all that other stuff. Yeah, Mr. Ryan Hall. You'll see him close the distance. He's closing the distance. You see the guy's putting his hand out because he's like trying to gauge and he's just trying to get that leg in. He's trying to get him to step, trying to get him to step. There it is. Then he comes in, there it gets is. Yep. in and that's a heel hook. He's turning the wrong way. See the guy's turning against the cage. He's not expanding the leg. That's already out. He's going to use the cage to extend. Now he has an arm that he has an option to grab that arm or just push him in the face, punch him in the dick. Boom. That's it. That's his knee. And it's that patience, too. You can't. Just oh, dude. Yeah. At a higher <laughs> level, you have to have patience because it's a game of inches. It's it's legitimately a game of inches. Like. Yeah, see, he's gauging, 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 gauging. Boom. Oh, he, he, he found in. he found his opening right there. Yeah. And that's the thing is, see, that guy's aware that he has to, like, control. But Ryan Hall, see now. OK, you want Ryan Hall on your back? Yeah, <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> it's like uh, that was a beautiful that's record, a beautiful record back scratch take right how did there. we get here <laughs> yeah that's a beautiful back take by the way 
Yep, that's over. That's, We're done, Tepa. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you slap a rear naked choke on somebody, you should. If and if and you can't finish, and you need to go practice like the rear naked choke like a couple thousand times, or your entries into the rear naked choke. Um, so, uh, so if, if, before we wrap up, uh, do, do you recommend that for people? Like if they're just training, like they're not going into any kind of competition, but uh, it, I, because of you mentioned with Rogan, how he's put a huge spotlight on Brazilian Jiu Jitsu mm-hmm. is that is you're starting to see a lot more people. They're kind of getting aware. They, they kind of see in a lot of municipalities, cops are not doing their job. So they're like, sometimes you get might have to be like a vigilante and kind of take. Oh, we can, we can talk about that. Police officers need way more training, my man. Oh yeah. Well, I love when people say that the police are militarized, they may dress in a military fashion, but let me tell you something as someone who spent a little bit of time in the military and who has friends that are still in, you do a shit ton of training in the military. Like the army. I, I, I knew the army was not for me after five years. Cause it's constant fucking training. Hey, you're going to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and you're going to go to take this class. Well, what's this class about? Well, this class is going to teach you about nutrition and we need someone to teach about nutrition because every Wednesday you have something called sergeant's time where for eight hours you sit down with non-commissioned officers and leaders and you talk and you learn. And then you have weekly training, daily training, quarterly training, monthly, monthly training, bi biweekly training, six, six months, three months. Yeah. Like you and yearly, which you have to complete your yearly training or you can't promote or advance. And then that becomes a problem because it kills the readiness of the unit. And then that's a problem. So number two, jujitsu is probably for me, in my opinion, one of the best things to do and that every cop should train regularly because I can control you in a manner that you're not going to understand what's happening. And if you, if you roll with like new people, right? Like when you roll with like new white belts, you know, you're just towing with them. Like, I don't, I don't even like, and this is just a thing we do at our gym is I'm not going to choke you 10,000 times while we're rolling. If you're a new person, because that's, that's just discouraging. I'm just being an asshole. Now, again, that depends on the training. If it's competition training, right. Then that's a completely different fucking animal. You chose to be in here, good sir. So it's so competition you're, you're training. Yeah, yeah, we're fucking no, we're trying to fucking kill each other. Like we're mm. trying to. This is competition training. This is for like you know. There's different ways of training. We can train for speed. We can train for muscle memory. We can train for, uh, you know, competition, right? Which basically is implementing a game, implementing, forcing your game plan down someone's throat. And then you have you know what like what a lot of hobbyists call it. it's like oh daily training, which I think I don't think there's such thing as a person who's a hobbyist in jujitsu, man. I have a hard time explaining that. Maybe someone can educate me that because when I go train, dude, I go train and it's not it's not fun. Ninety percent of the fucking time, to be honest with you, like the other day, I was the lowest ranking belt and it was all our competition black belts. That was not a fun two hours, man. Like it was not a fun two hours. Doesn't sound like it. No, no, it's but, not. It's, you're but, the yeah. bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> yeah, but these are things that people kind of have to do. And like I said, I mean, my I, look, my dad and my grandfather were police officers, and they would both tell you, especially my dad, knowing that, especially with, uh, you know, affirmative action or whatever, that they're lowering the bar of police training, and it's going to take some yeah. people, like a like a girl who's like I, living in New York City, probably should take. <laughs> You don't know who's around the next corner. You should probably everybody, take one of these. Classes. Everybody should take something. You should you should take something. I listen, man. I don't think jujitsu is for everybody. 
I really don't. And I don't think Muay Thai is for everybody. And I don't think boxing is for everybody. Because here's the thing. Jiu-Jitsu is really fucking hard. Jiu-Jitsu is really, 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 really fucking hard. But the thing is, is there's there's a meme that I saw that, like, I don't even think it's funny. I think it's legit. You know how when someone, someone, someone sometimes says a joke and they're being funny, but the people who know, they're like, oh, he means that shit. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So there's a meme that I saw years ago that said, Jiu-Jitsu is for everybody for the first three years. After three years, only people who are really dedicated and have discipline stay. And after six years, only people who have mental health problems stay. <laughs> and it was like a joke, but it's like, bro, it's like you talk to some people. It's like, why do you do this? It's like, man, people used to fuck with me. And now I'm like, fuck around and find out, you know? Yeah. And, and again, you know, that's just my view of it from my tiny purple belt perspective you know this little 35 year old puerto rican dude that does nothing that's from my perspective i always welcome people to explain to me but man every time i say that even around like big top black belts they're like yeah it's not for everybody man it's true your body goes through a lot your hands take a real bad beating you know like it's but man i tell you what dude at the end of the day i feel pretty fucking confident that I don't I don't want to fight with anybody. I don't want to fuck with anybody because there's a million variables that can happen. But do you you got to have some sort of preparation for it, man. And there's there's a lot of things that you can do. You know, there's verbal judo and stuff, which if, if you've been around cops, you know what that means. Uh, mm-hmm. Verbal judo is for the people listening. Verbal judo is like when you're trying to deescalate a situation by talking a person down, um, which is, a, is is an art form, in my opinion. But yeah, man, it's just it's it's a really 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 scary world you want to see something real crazy that you were talking about if they should take this i propose to every single one of your listeners this and i did this the other day in my class and i got 127 emails back go look up how many cops are in your state or in your city and then go look up the the population because you can see how many people are post-certified same way that i can know how many interpreters are in your town right now I can pull up how many court certified interpreters are. I can pull up how many medical interpreters there are. Pull up how many cops there are in your in your state and then pull up the population of your state. And you'll really shit a brick. Because that's that's a terrifying statistic to me that people don't talk about enough. And when I said that to people, I had like three people out of 127 people out of email me. I had three people that said, I'm go- I'm going to go to my nearest jujitsu school and I'm going to sign up. And again, I don't do this to scare anybody. I just want people to realize like, you know, man, there's there's that many people. Let's say that worst comes to worse. And, you know, every single cop is is busy. What are you going to do? Like, I just looked it up in my my neck of the woods where I'm located. I, I'm, I'm not a scary. big town. It's a how population scary. of 17,000 plus, And there are 30 police officers. <laughs> so if I do the math, that means that, that there is one cop for every 576 people. Do you think that that motherfucker is going to come? Fuck no, he's not, bro. Fuck no. That's a, but that's a, that's a, that's a, and again, man, it's an awakening statistic because I had someone explain this to me. They're like, go look up how many cops are in your state. I was like, bro, there's probably like 150,000. Nah, my man. No, no, bro. Less than 20. And the population and it's getting worse. There, there's, there's a lot of blue flu going on. And to be honest, I don't, I really don't blame them. Well, man, the thing is also is it's very difficult when a cop is doing the right thing. And because I see both points of view, right? There's there's good cops, bro. There's good cops. I've I've met a few of them. The problem is that 
I think it was Roy Wood Jr. or Dave Chappelle who said it best. Roy Wood, Roy Wood Jr. has a different joke, but I think it was Dave Chappelle who said, you, you can't expect someone that, no, it was Roy Wood Jr. Roy Wood Jr. said that if you, people don't do the right thing for the right reasons. People do the right thing for the right price. And he has a whole joke about, and, and I'm butchering Mr. Mr. Jr., Mr. Roy Wood Jr. is, is uh, he goes, he has like a whole skit about pay a cop to snitch. $100,000 every time there's a successful snitch. And he goes on to the joke. He says, bro, they wouldn't make it through roll call. They're like, I know what you did, Sanchez. I know you planted those drugs. I need that 100K. Ah, I planted drugs on your locker the other day, Sanchez. Take me in. I need the 200K. You know what I'm saying? So That's like, hilarious. Oh, dude, Roy Wood Jr. is a genius. Well, he should be He should be the host of the, the Daily Show now instead of this revolving door of woke uh, on, Mazur, don't say fake that. comics. <laughs> Don't say that, man. Don't say that. That's that's a big he wouldn't be able to do stand up. Yeah, true. He wouldn't have time. He wouldn't have time to do stand up. That's the thing, because that's a that's why that's why um, late night host shows make so much money. Because, dude, I would I would I would kill to enter. First of all, I would kill to interview Roy Wood Jr. or even open for him because he's my number one favorite comedian. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I have a, I have a good contact. I feel like you're fucking with me. I don't know if you're being serious. No, Are you I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, I have a good contact. I can't. I can't guarantee. I can't make. Promises. Oh no! Don't ever guarantee shit. That's a smart thing. But we'll talk off the air. But the thing is, man, is like, it's really difficult to also be a cop because, bro, there's a lot of people that that are good cops, but unfortunately, you get into these situations where they they get put in a situation where it's like, I did the right thing, but. Technically, it's not the right thing because of this person, the way that we're portraying it, the way that it's being. Now you have an attorney that wants to go after your ass. And again, I'm not saying that there's not bad cops. I am saying that there needs to be a heavy reform on education for cops. And you see people like and, and you, you can go with this person, Mr. Tom the Blast, who's been on 1FC, who's been on, on on Tough, I believe. He's been on everything. He says it best. He's like, dude, I give cops free training you know how many cops how many cops you have that are black belts that have been training for at least three years bro i'll take a cop that's trained jujitsu heavily at like at least three times two to three times a week over a cop that hasn't or even wrestled i'll yeah. take anything bro sambo wrestling krav i'll take i'll take anything just, be, just because you got your degree in criminal justice doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good police officer yeah, and that's the other thing is I see how a lot of them are paid and it, it blows my mind to think that if you pay someone $15, $18 an hour that you can – it's just a lot, man. It's just no. a lot. It's just a lot. And it's this is coming from someone who's worked with law enforcement and has worked in law enforcement at, at the military level at least. And it's it, it's just mind-boggling the amount of things that I had to train. Like I went to the range every – fuck. I got sent to the fucking range every week. So like my finger, that's why my like finger bends like that, dude. You spend you spend so much time on the fucking range. You spend a whole day shooting because it's like you have to know how to shoot. Oh, you got to spend time training. You got to do this. Like it's not fun, dude, and it's not for everybody, man. Like it's just not. And you yeah. deal with constant negativity. That's the other thing is the other problem is, man, that people don't really care about mental health, unfortunately. And that's why you saw on my slides that I said mental health. 
because it's a thing. It's a whole block. We pretend to. We pretend to, but in in this country, we we stopped. It's like when you'll have World Mental Health Awareness Day, and they'll bring somebody who's like a prominent A list actor or celebrity or uh, athlete. They'll go on the Today Show with Savannah Guthrie and say, "Yeah, I have a mental issue in my journey." It's like, well, good luck on that. And then when things actually come down. Yeah, nobody really cares about your mental health. No, we, we, they we don't. don't. We don't care about and our veterans. We don't care about people. I'm who glad have, uh, I'm glad you say that, because that's something that I've said before, because I've seen in court veterans PTSD use against them heavily. And then people wonder. And here's one thing. Have you seen the terminal list? No, I have not. No, I, it's a very graphic show. Very graphic show. It's got Chris Pratt in it. There's a scene in the show, man, that like I started crying, dude, it, it, like it really fucking pissed me the fuck off to this day when I think about it. There's a scene where I don't, I don't want to ruin it. It's, it's about a Navy SEAL who he gets, there's drugs that are tested on them and bad things happen. It's, it's really crazy. And there's one of the scenes that, cause they accuse him of killing his family and a guy goes, well, why would they do that? You're a decorated veteran. He goes, that's exactly why, because no one gives a fuck if a war veteran kills his whole family because of PTSD. Yeah. But we we, and, pre- and we pretend to like one day a year and then the rest of it. Oh, no, is two like days a year, bro. Two, well, oh, yes. three, three, if you count, if you count Fourth of July, you know, technically, True, I yes. guess. But the rest of the time, bro, the moment that's why I tell people like we're going to and mark my words. We're going to reach a time in 10 years where being a veteran, people are going to look at it as as something that's dangerous and they're not going to give a fuck about us even more. That's why I laugh when people thank me for my service and I go, if you really want to thank me for my service. Send me a hand job and a beer my way. And then I'll really fucking believe you. <laughs> so I married my wife, bro. That was my pickup line. She's like, oh, my God, thank you for your service. I'm like, if you mean that hand job and a beer. Well, you, you, God, you, should, told, you should have told her, thank you for your cervix. <laughs> <laughs> That's such low hanging fruit, but I like it. I know. It. <laughs> I, 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 like know. It. It's, uh, I want to apologize for that joke to all the uh, all the horny veterans. <laughs> <laughs> you mean. All the veterans, then. Yes, that's right. Like, bro, I have never listen, bro. Trauma makes you fuck good. Hmm. I hate to tell you that. Why do you think veterans, veterans are like so, bro? My wife literally said, "Thank you for your service." A hand job, a beer, and then she said, "I think you're a great person." And I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that was it, bro. Yeah, exactly. That was it, bro. That was it. (laughs) Telling you. She gets down on both knees and you get down on one. She's so, going to go. she's going to she's going to listen to this and be like, you lying motherfucker. That's <laughs> <laughs> always fun. No, nah, man, hey, if I, dude, if you're if you're not going to listen about HT, if you're not going to listen to Ricardo about jujitsu and anything like that, at least listen to his podcast, the Rico podcast. Uh, dude, tell we need tell listeners where you can find it. <laughs> no, man. First of all, thank you so much for having me, dude. You've probably been the best interview that I have. I have had in, in four years of being interviewed. I appreciate that. Um, pretty open. No, I, I fucking mean that. I really do. Most people will not engage in, in a conversation about this with me. Most people have never. And I have friends who come to my house and they they don't talk about this on their show. I have friends who have shows that have a very, very heavy audience and they're too scared to talk about this. Um, so, man, greatly appreciate you having really great show. Uh, second of all, you can find. Anything about me um, at the end, if you uh, if you saw at the end, you can find me on online on on my email, rabdel, R-A-B-D-E-L 440 at gmail.com. You can contact me there for anything. And even if for presentations and stuff like that, which I'm 
I'm doing pretty heavily and I'm pretty booked right now for doing presentations for barber shops. I'm trying to concentrate on barber shops, um, massage parlor places, because I know there's a stigma against that because we've all seen the news. Um, big, big companies that need they need to have this training, man, in hospitals, bro, because it, it needs to be informed. So you can find that at uh, you can find my courses too on transinterpreting.com, which are going to be open to the public pretty soon. All my courses are worth CUs. So if you if you if you're a person that needs credits like law enforcement, need post credits and stuff like that, all that I, I do all of that. Um, and you can find me on Richard Avilas on Facebook. You can find me on language underscore ninja on Instagram. And you can find the podcast on Regal Podcast everywhere on TikTok and everywhere, man. And dude, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate this. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's great to get that word out. And uh, yeah, no, I was I was really happy to get a chance to talk to you. And uh, yeah, it, yeah, it gets serious, it gets heavy, but it, it's the reality that we got to deal with right now. We, you yeah. know, we we could joke all we want, bullshit on a podcast, but then ultimately the the reality. Well, that's what's great about having the podcast is that you do deal with the the what you dealt with in the war. You what you're doing as a, as a job and trying to help the process and uh, with interpret interpreting. And then you can just kind of go like, look, I'm going to do a podcast. And then we just hang out and, you know, chit chat with friends and just, you know, tell stories and everything. It's like a, it's, it, it's such a nice come down for people where you realize the, the, how serious life is. And then you can just sit behind a microphone and just go like, yeah, we got an hour. Let's just have fun. Let's just shoot the shit. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's a nice feeling of catharsis. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. Doing it to your listeners. Thank you so much. Like if you're listening to this. Fuck so man, thanks everybody for it. listening to the, uh, to the check your brain podcast. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Tony Mazur and uh, yeah, no, uh, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to the, if you came across this on uh, the Rico podcast or check your brain podcast, wherever you're listening to this and check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. Thanks everybody. And thank you, Ricardo. Thanks for doing the show.